If you've got a personal auto insurance question, you could talk to a cab driver. Although the policies he recommends might include avoiding the interstate, beating traffic by taking the back roads, and only making left turns when absolutely necessary. Or you could talk to your local GEICO agent, whose policy is to use their expertise to navigate your insurance, finding the best route to help you save money on insurance for your home, car, and more. And as an added bonus, you'll be able to avoid traffic jams and potholes entirely. To find a GEICO agent near you, visit geico.com local. Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99. Plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. I don't know why, but I got distracted when you started counting with me. <laughs> I've seen it happen to you before. I was like, wait, what? No. Oh. Uh, my version of that is sometimes I forget uh, that you're going to start counting. <laughs> I'm not sure we should be talking to the public in any capacity. <laughs> I mean, just a momentary slip of, what am I doing here? I don't yeah. have my meds anymore, Dave. Henry Cavill says he is still Superman. Matt Reeves has his Carmine Falcone. The Rock confirms the Justice Society of America is in Black Adam. Plus, we discuss everything we know about last week's Snyder Cut push. And, of course, that amazing Crisis on Infinite Earths trailer. And Stargirls moved to the CW and so much more. Legitimately, so much more. What the hell? I'm David C. Robertson. This my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. And this is DC On Screen, where we discuss the DC Comics multiverse on film and television, give honest opinions on projects upcoming and past, and believe that every version of a property is valid, even if we do not want it to be. If it has been released, it is fair game. So beware of spoilers, and welcome to the show. Well, have you what? have you kept up with anything this week, man? Oh, legitimately no. I had a birthday to um, get ready for, and then work was extremely ridiculous, and uh, no, I haven't had time to do a damn thing. Yeah, it, for for me, it's been one of those where I've just sort of, I've been busy doing other things, but kind of like every day, I kind of, a couple times a day, I glance down and go, oh, damn it, we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. damn it. Oh, man. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I have none of that. At some point, uh, I ask you tonight, and you're like, 14 pages. I mean, 20, 21 pages. Like, holy shit. Yeah. That's like a Comic-Con level of page. Okay, let's do this. A little bit. It, it kind of got up there a little bit. Uh, up top, though, we want to thank the wonderful folks uh, who have chosen to support this show on Patreon. Thank you. One dollar a month gets you an on-air thank you and access to the weekly show free of ads. The five dollar tier gets you all of that, plus extra content like Jason's pull list, chasing squirrels, warm-ups, Marvel reviews, and who the hell knows what else. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to support us in a more free capacity... Or already a Patreon supporter and want to support us even more, you glorious saint. We are currently at 79 ratings on Apple Podcast. We would love to get to 100 by the year's end. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's jump into this news, man. Shoot. We're on, we're on limited time, man. Uh, it's just, it's going to be a haul. Yeah. So Joker's current numbers, 1 million 36, uh, sorry, 1 billion 36 million 857,842 dollars worldwide and uh that it is the highest grossing movie with joker oh i imagine it has it has beaten the dark knight uh and also is is coming up pretty quickly on the highest grossing dc film of all time which is aquaman which is still weird to me <laughs> uh, <laughs> brave new world 
<laughs> Aquaman is at uh, is sitting at one billion one hundred forty eight million one hundred sixty one thousand eight hundred seven. So, you know, we're going to be monitoring that in the coming weeks, and we'll see if jo- like if Joker doesn't beat Aquaman, I'm going to be really confused. Like, but it's, it's like I said, it's I loved Aquaman, thought it was really cool. Still really confused that Aquaman is like the highest grossing DC movie of all time. It's just strange to me. It's just, it's strange if I told you about it five years ago, but after having seen the film, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And also Joker, having seen that, it makes sense to me. Like it's, it's, uh, God, this indie film is just way, way beyond any of that at this point. It really just far surpassed my expectations. Oh yeah. Now, uh, there was a, there was a bit of a kerfuffle this week. Uh, <laughs> some people were saying, well, specifically the Hollywood reporter mm-hmm. had sources telling them that, uh, there was an, that Todd Phillips, initially walked in wanting to develop a portfolio of DC characters origin stories and Emmerich was just like no and then he still kind of walked out with a couple but mm-hmm. um deadline says that's not true he, they say that the Hollywood reporters uh report that their sources say that there's going to be a sequel already happening they're already talking to uh Joel Silver and or sorry Scott Silver and uh, Todd Phillips about this uh, sequel. Deadline says that's not true. So like we've got like two big wigs. Mommy and Daddy are fighting wig. again. Yeah, Deadline and Hollywood Reporter are both yelling at each other, going like, "No, you, you're wrong." Um, Variety's <laughs> just smoking a cigarette in a dark corner, going, "We'll see." <laughs> like, yes, <you> get angry. <laughs> um. So yeah, the uh, Todd Phillips wound up just coming out and talking about it a little bit and he says here's the real truth about a sequel while joaquin and i have talked about it and while touring the world with warner brothers executives going to toronto and venice and other places of course we're sitting at dinner and they're saying so have you thought about Mm -hmm." but talking about contracts there's not a contract for us to even write a sequel we've never approached joaquin to be in a sequel will that happen again i just think the article was anticipatory at best (laughs) it could be based on their reports Joaquin cannot be trusted. I mean, first of all, he'll lie about whether he's doing it. We know that historically. Mm-hmm. And even then, I think speaking of the first movie, if it is the first instead of the only, Joaquin would probably say like, well, I'm thinking about making it based on the set reports we heard about. Mm-hmm. Like, like Todd Phillips just couldn't get a straight answer out of the dude. And then they were done filming. <laughs> it was just. But I, you know what? I love this. It's not often that you see a director just come out and say like, no, that source is lying. Oh, that's fantastic. Todd Phillips actively says, he says, a movie doesn't make a billion dollars and they don't talk about a sequel. Joaquin and I have publicly said we've been talking about a sequel since week two of shooting because it's a fun thing to talk about. But the THR article was referring to other things uh, that were just frankly untrue. Yeah, super truthful. Also a guy who it feels like has been hurt by, you know, the the Hollywood mechanism of we have to have another one because that one did well. Mm -hmm. And going into the Hangover movies, which got progressively worse, uh, I don't know, feedback. and numbers, as far as I know. I've, I've been told that they got progressively worse in every aspect. But, you know, I've I didn't like the them. first one very I've much. I've only heard so about never, the, the yeah. numbers on them. I wasn't a big fan of the first. So I just, I never watched the others. It seems like a guy who's cautious about doing that. Uh, it, like doesn't mm-hmm. want to just take it because it's an opportunity that, uh, I don't know. I, I like that he's learned this lesson and that he's in place to make this decision. I like, I kind of like that. I Man, mean, I he made a quality film the first time. So I watched, I watched, um, Hangover, and then I watched Due Date, and I felt I, I I at the time I foolishly felt I think I've seen everything Todd Phillips has to offer. <laughs> I mean, I've only seen Due Date genuinely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've only seen Due Date, and if there had been a sequel, 
I would have been sorely disappointed with the entire adventure. Yeah. Like as, as a film, it was kind of weird and a little across genre and kind of fun in certain places, but had uh, like, for, for instance, I learned that uh, Zach Galifianakis could actually act in that movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. There's probably cause for me to have known that before, but in my life I didn't. Um, he, yeah, but I, I learned he could actually act across Robert Downey. Um, yeah. Which was, which was big. I, I, I just, I, I, it was nice to know that about him and it was nice to see that scene and, and that was good. But if there'd been like a, you know, a due date two or like a, you know, a first anniversary or something, whatever the hell you want to call it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it would have been too much for me. That's fair. I, I wouldn't have wanted to see that sequel. Yeah. I enjoyed due date. All right. Hangover. I wasn't thrilled. Oh, thrilled with. it would was, be called okay. overdue date. That's what it would be called. All right, let's move on. <laughs> that because that's sad. how you make things worse as a sequel. That that just that means that I I heard what you had to say and I went, oh god, he's right. Let's move on before someone makes it. <laughs> oh, did you did you see the new Birds of Prey promo art? Uh huh. It I've is literally retina- seen nothing. I promise you. Everything you're going to give me is okay. fresh this week. It is retina burning. <laughs> okay. There are so many colors. Like beyond the Wonder Woman 84 initial poster? Oh, well, uh, it's, it's about like that, but in a different way. It's like there's just all these little colorful diamonds everywhere. Yeah. Like little diamond patterns. And Harley is sitting on a couch, like an ugly yellow couch with a hyena leaning on her uh, on her giant hammer. And then you have the birds of prey behind them standing and, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice piece of art. It sounds like a nice shot. It is a nice shot. And we've got, uh, old, uh, Journey Smollett holding her, holding Harley's bat, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to call it a mallet. No, wait, the actual bat. Oh, the bat. Yeah, the bat. bat. Yeah. The bat. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, Rosie Perez, Ella J. Basco. We got, uh, what's that girl's name? Mary Elizabeth Winstead as <laughs> Huntress yes. holding the crossbow. And, um, I think it looks fantastic. I like all of the marketing for this movie so far. Um, except, you know, there are people out there who are really mad that there's so much Harley in, in the uh, trailers and stuff. And, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Jay Scotty St. Clair asked us, what would you like to see from Journey Smollett Bell's Black Canary and Mary Elizabeth Winstead's, uh, Huntress in the next Birds of Prey trailer? Should they showcase more of them or hold them back and focus the marketing on Harley? And someone responded to to him and said, I've seen enough Harley spam to last a lifetime. I wish the promoters would finally get a clue how frustrated Mary and Journey's fandoms are about the way they've been shoved uh, to the background. I've seen this uh, argument on Twitter and, and other spaces on online before. I get it, but I, I'm curious what you think. I personally feel like Harley is like the third or fourth most popular character in DC Comics. Yeah, oh, she from a marketing standpoint, she she completely warrants it and... The way she came across in Suicide Squad, I I completely get why they're leaning on her. Yeah, I'm. No, I mean, I'm I, not... I can feel it. Like if if you want to, if you wanted more of the other characters, I get it, and I you you probably will get that in the movie. But as far as the mm-hmm. marketing goes, yeah, I mean the the, the money people are going to tell you this is where you should shoot your load. Like it, this is mm-hmm. Harley's the the uh, <laughs> like the the rise of Harley Quinn as a character in the last few years is. Damn near unprecedented in comics. I mean, she is she's taken off since what ninety two. Yeah, it is, and they have to gently nurture other you know D uh, B through D list characters into the spotlight for real. Like you can't just you know have a, a tentpole movie and be like, and here's a black canary. Like, well, yeah, some of the legwork's been done on Arrow over the years, but 
but clearly got the, a Harley. you know two and a half million viewers that are steady era viewers are not who you're going to lean on to make this movie they're you're you're just hoping that there's a fresh audience and you're going to hit that yeah like, you're not just going to bet on that and even if you were going to bet on that you're also betting that um you know it's the same studio who told you you couldn't use harley in in the show itself like that they hinted at her hard like did everything but put her in the credits and it's just mm-hmm. it never happened there's a separation and, you know, hopefully some of the legwork is done and hopefully, you know, all those other characters are in the, you know, the, the unconscious, collective unconscious, I guess I want to call it. But, yeah, for marketing purposes, lean on it. I, I do also hope we get more of their characters. Yeah. And, and and to I mean, I understand how fandoms, you know, operate, but and I hate to say it, but I don't think the promoters care about how frustrated Mary and Journey's fandoms are because, they're not the people that's being marketed to. Like, no. if if there are p- fandoms who love Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and I consider myself among those, uh, or who loved uh, Journey Smollett Bell, I don't know her except from Full House. But <laughs> if yeah. there are those people out there, they're going to come to this movie to support them anyway. They're going to see it because their favorite actor or actress, whatever, is in the movie. Yeah. And same, same token, if you're the other side of that where you're you're so mad about it that you're already protesting the movie, if I'm marketing this movie, I don't care about you anyway. Yeah. You're too reactionary. You're too uh, you know, kind of cliquish and close-minded in your thinking. I'm not trying to get you. Yeah. They're trying to get people who know who Harley Quinn is and who want to have a good time. Yeah. I mean, dude, the fact is the, the fact is these people are going to be represented. These are actresses that, that you like anyway. Mm-hmm. Go see their movie. And quite it, honestly, it's not even about... you don't like about, it afterward, then that's, that, that you can parse out. But it's yeah. going to be led by Harley Quinn. So leading act, leading actor, actress, whatever, is going to have the majority of the marketing share. That's just, that's not to say that I wouldn't... I agree with everything you're saying. I'm, But, you know, that's not to say I wouldn't love to see more from Black Canary, more from Huntress uh, in the trailer. Uh, more of Rosie Perez. We haven't got, like, really anything of her. I, I wouldn't mind that either. All of that. But I also wonder if DC hasn't learned... Uh, Maybe a lesson on don't don't feature characters that aren't actually going to be featured, mm. especially given a Suicide Squad kind of vibe or origin story in their in their universe. Well, I hope they're going to be featured, but in, in the movie, feature. other otherwise, you know, it's not really. I don't know. It's That's really kind a, of my point. Is like maybe they worth it. Maybe after the, <laughs> I mean, the the all the activity with the trailers and and the, the you know, like stuff in the trailers that never showed up in the movie with the Joker, mm-hmm. all of that backfired yeah. hard. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. Everyone, including us, was pretty pissed about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, yeah, if they if the lesson they took away from that is no, maybe we should not overplay our hand about like we also have so and so and so and so and so and so. Just let them do their thing in the movie, and if it sticks, it sticks, and great. If it doesn't, you know, we didn't overpromise. Yeah, but I think I think Harley is Harley and Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie is huge right now. Oh yeah, she's she's big right now. She's bigger than Harley, I would argue, uh, among the general audience. So yeah, I, I'm DA, I don't, sure. I don't think they're going to to stray too far from the Margot Harley bubble Mm-mm. in the in terms of marketing. And I don't think they should if they really want this this movie to make a lot of money. No, the marketing people literally use algorithms based on uh, your star power at the moment, a number of other factors that they will not disclose. You know, how well the last few movies you did uh, in a certain genre versus another genre maybe did. Like, there's a lot of factors they use to calculate who should be the face of something. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of factors like that they use to even cast you. Yep. I mean, if the if the people doing the number crunching say that you're not going to be able to lead this movie, you may not get that movie. 
Yep. There are exceptions, and it takes people. It takes um, you know a certain amount of insight and you know a little bit of cockiness for some people to kind of come around and say like, no, I'm th- I, my heart is saying this is the right decision. And sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. That's mm-hmm. why you have the numbers people to have something to kind of <laughs> judge that against. Yep. Um, right now everything's pointing towards like, no, just lean on Marga. Mm-hmm. And I I think they would be right. I, I'm, From I a mean, numbers I'm, perspective. I'm sorry, there's not enough uh, trailer evidence, but still go see the movie and see where it leads you. Absolutely. All right, over to Batman. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited about this, dude. Like, oh my God, I didn't know I wanted this until it happened. Matt Reeves, <laughs> director of the Batman, uh-huh. posted a GIF on Twitter of uh, John Turturro as Jesus Cantana on uh, in, in The Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and said, I said, dot, 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 hashtag Carmine Falcone. Oh, wow. John Turturro is Carmine Falcone, dude. That's fantastic. I love that guy. He is fantastic. He is an amazing actor. Um, you know, of course, Big Lebowski. Uh, <laughs> um, no, my favorite role of his. But hmm? my Which favorite role of his across from uh, Tony Shalhoub and Monk. I don't remember him in Monk. He was uh, Monk's brother, Adrian's brother. Oh, that's really cool. Reclusive uh, brother in the show. Mm-hmm. And they had a couple of fantastic scenes together. Interesting. Always one of those people when I see him, I think this is about to get better. Yeah, and you know what? He he was a uh, a, a shining bright spot in those awful Transformers movies. Oh, he was uh, you he know was great. Of course, Barton Fink. Like any any yeah. <laughs> pretty much anything that the Coen Brothers have, if he's in it, is going to be great. Yeah, um, dude, dude does great work. I, this is nothing but a good sign. Yeah, I'm excited about his Carmine Falcone. And even like even him showing up on network TV, it was Monk. It was a <laughs> do you know how many Golden Globes that show took? No, I have no idea. I don't either. It was plenty though. <laughs> it was a it was it was one of those shows that was like strangely for to be a show that was on USA, um, which I, I feel like if you're trying to give out awards and you say like, well, it's it's it's, it's an original part of USA, you're like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, mm-hmm. It it did so well in in certain spots. It was. Um, I don't know. It was this weird, like, breath of fresh air where they had something genuine and unique that Tony Shalhoub was just destroying the role in. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a bright spot. I remember it very fondly. I've watched it twice now, I think. Because I watched it when it came out, and then my wife watched it again, and I kind of went in and out and watched it over and over again, with or watched episodes over again as she was rewatching and enjoyed the shit out of it again. And nice. really happy to see him again. Like, even when he's picking a network TV thing, he picks something that I still think was really solid. Yeah. So I like his taste as well. There's probably... Yeah. I, I, I say that and then I want to scroll down his IMDb and find some exception where I'm like, oh, no, I don't know if I trust it. But <laughs> but when I have seen him. Yeah, I, I have every faith in the guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he's going to be, I, I guarantee he'll be way better than the guy that was in Batman Begins. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. All, right. I, I, uh, <laughs> all I know for sure is that when he's on screen, you'll you'll buy whatever he's doing. I'm sure of that. Yeah, I think so. All right. Over to the Suicide Squad. Uh, we... Have it on authority from James Gunn, who likes to do little Q&As over on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Notice he's staying away from Twitter these days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Margot Robbie has not finished filming, but Taika Waititi has finished filming. And um, he had a little nice blurb that he wrote on on Instagram where he says, um, Directing feels like a calling and passion more than a job. Now more than ever, there would be much easier ways to just make money. And the Suicide Squad has reinvigorated my creative life like nothing before it. I'm grateful every day I step onto set, although less grateful at those sunrise set calls. I just, I that made me happy. That, that is nice. 
that movie has all... reinvigorated his his creative life. Yeah, but like imagine if if you had just done something as kind of out there as Guardians and it went over actually pretty well with most people mm-hmm. and their exceptions, but it it did pretty well. Um critically really well, uh financially pretty damn well. Mhm. And you walked away feeling very happy about it. Mm-hmm. And then at some point you get a chance to do something very similar and somebody just says, yeah, and also uh, we're going to take all of the training wheels off. How many characters do you need? Yeah. I, I would go a little bit crazy. Like that That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Now, this this is going to jumpstart the hope portion of the podcast. Like I, uh, overall, I really wanted this. I really want this. Like I started seeing a theme throughout this episode as I was putting stuff together like, this is a hope episode. <laughs> There's a lot of hope in this episode. <laughs> someone asked him if if someone asked James Gunn if he thought that they would ever make a Marvel versus DC movie. And this is a big hope and a big stretch. But he Gunn says in the past I would have said no way, but today I think anything is possible. <laughs> I mean, I'm rooting for you, man. Right? I mean, how do you do like like even the most maligned DC movies in the DCEU have, you know, gotten close to a, a billion dollars. Yeah, they made plenty of money. Made plenty of money. You look <laughs> at Infinity Tripled War numbers. Budget, I think on the worst day. Now it might be twenty years, but I feel like at some point Kevin Feige and whoever the hell is over DC are gonna look at each other and go, "We don't have anywhere else to go." I don't know. I mean, there's. 80-something years of this banging around. There's there's almost yeah. always somewhere to go. There's always somewhere to go, but not the kind of money that they're, they want to make, it would, if that makes any sense. I mean, yeah, it would make all the money. Mm-hmm. But it would still have to be done correctly. I mean, it's apparently these things aren't flawless. Like, uh, they, they thought Batman vs. Superman would make all the money, and it, it made plenty of money, but wasn't what they wanted. <sighs> yeah. And there were a lot of... It's a long story, but it, it, it their ideas that you think are flawless and then in execution they're actually harder to do than it would seem oh yeah like you know the proper marvel versus dc books weren't very good oh the amalgam universe yeah I was, some of them were pretty good it was weird as far <laughs> as i have heard i've never read a single one they're pretty I've, weird. I've heard like eh. it literally anytime i hear somebody talk about it, it was like oh it was cool there was this character and this character what happened well it was weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they're really happy about the concept is really but, cool, and the designs yeah. were really cool, but the execution was really weird. Like, there were a few that were really good, like Dark Claw, I feel like, was pretty good, if I remember correctly, which was, you know, a mashup of Batman and Wolverine. Yeah, I, I would put money on that. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I, I really liked uh, the mashup between uh, Superboy and Spider-Man. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, uh, there, there were some really interesting ones. Um, you know, Wonder Woman and Storm made sense. <laughs> yeah, kind of does. Um, but yeah, th- th- it was stupid nineties fun, but it was, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily want to see the amalgamation oh, universe on I screen. Have, I just I have a good s- word for it. I have a good word what? for w- what I think would be the problem. Unwieldy. I mean, I think anybody would have said that about Endgame and Infinity <laughs> War. I know, but it was less working part. Yeah. I mean, it would need to be scaled. Oh yeah. Maybe a trilogy start off with Avengers versus Justice League and go from there. <laughs> that was like... Feels like a pretty grand starting point. I mean, I'd watch the shit out of it, but I'm not sure. It would be tough, man. Yeah, I don't think there's another way to do it other than grand. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, a fan asked James Gunn about uh, whether or Actually, not there might be... let me put be... it this way. Hmm? It would be really hard oh. to low-key market that concept. Yeah, I don't think that's the... 
I don't think that's a thing, no. Yeah, it can be like, oh, we're just going to try this thing. We're like, you know, I mean, it's no big deal, but, you know, maybe, you know, Captain America and Batman are going to fight. So it's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're going yeah. to be fine. And that um, is, that's a straight up, like, uh, dicks and labias on the table situation. <laughs> yeah. No holds barred. Like, I mean, nothing to see here. We're just going to, we're just going to see how it goes. We're just going to, we don't have any sequels planned. We're just wondering. We're just, we put it in the hands of this director. We trust this director. We're just going to, None of that talk would work. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like there would be any way to announce it other than have Terry Crews get up and scream it while flexing his muscles. <laughs> like, literally rip his shirt <laughs> off and, and announce it in one yeah. motion. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. And I want firework, like a, some kind of pyro show. Mm-hmm. Like, behind him, um, some grand music, maybe it, maybe minimum a 64-piece orchestra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, that's how you do the real crisis on infinite earth for the cinema you just do you just do a marvel versus dc thing just also everyone in the in the audience that day gets a vw yeah terry cruz announces it christian bale and ben affleck run out and just start punching each other in the face yeah and and then Chris Evans, you know, comes and attacks them both. And I figure he just comes and uh, him and Hemsworth just come and moon the audience, mm-hmm. just showing off America's ass and uh, and <laughs> I guess I, I guess a comparable ass. Yeah, I guess I uh, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, like I was saying, fan asked James Gunn about uh, this on his Instagram. Says um, wants to know if there's a been any discussion about a crossover with the Batman. Uh huh. Gunn says, nope. Period. Like it. Definitive. Yep. yep. <laughs> he says he does think that uh, Gunn knows who he... who. Ha- sorry. Uh, <laughs> Matt Reeves knows who Gunn has in his script. He says, I, I think he knows who is in my script. I would bet. I would assume. I mean, I would just bet. Yeah. All right. Black Adam. I like this. I like this era of keeping it a little bit closer to the best than before. I think it's a good call. Yeah, probably. Probably. It worked for Marvel. It's one of those things that was a it was a really good call marketing wise. It's like, you know, getting to the Avengers, it was a few movies in before we had any real confirmation. Like, no, they're definitely gonna do this. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. As you please. <clears throat> so yeah, Dwayne <laughs> it's a very the elegant. Rock. Yeah. That's I thought so. Mm-hmm. Dwayne the Rock Johnson has been talking up his uh, new movie, Jumanji the Next Level. Mm-hmm. And um now I, I have to see if you think this is I understand where he's coming from on it and what I think he's going for. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, he does reveal that Justice Society of America is going to be in Black Adam. And he says he hasn't officially done a costume fitting for his role. He said that uh, Kevin Hart, who's also in the Jumanji movie with him, mm-hmm. lobbied for a role in the film, asking to be Black Adam's sidekick. Johnson said that Black Adam does not have a sidekick. <laughs> But that it's perhaps very solo gig. But that perhaps Kevin Hart could take on a bit part with the JSA. He says we're going to introduce the JSA in Black Adam. Mm-hmm. So in in JSA, maybe there's a role. They have an animal, a pet. <laughs> and for the Rock's sake, even though I know this is a joke, for the Rock's sake, I sincerely hope he meant Doctor Midnight's owl Hootie. Oh, that would be nice. And not Frankie the monkey, because <sighs> that could get sticky real quick. That would be a problem. <laughs> on the social meets. <laughs> that, yeah. As I'm going to call I that, that the Bumblebee problem. Oh. Or not and the Bumblebee I'm, problem. What is that other guy that's like uh, clearly doing like. 
this over it ah, for, it's been fucking 10 years since the transform movie but he's doing this like oh yeah overly that. black yeah. dialect right and he's clearly like it's and not just, bumblebee it's, it was whatever those he dies i know he dies yeah um i remember him getting ripped apart and thinking like good I'm glad that chapter's closed yeah i i am not i've said it before i am you know i'm not particularly woke uh <laughs> you know i'm i'm a bit groggy but I even like that I, phrasing, yeah. Even but, I read that and went, "Oh, because I couldn't think of any. I, uh, the, those are the only two pets in the JSA I could remember." And I went, "Oh, don't say that. Oh, don't do that." <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what my woke quotient is. I try, but for God's sake, I'm a white dude in Alabama. I've fucking got flaws, I, right? But um, I kept hoping he was just thinking about Tawny because you know. That's that's in his world somehow, and hopefully he was mm. just going to attach that to the JSA in some capacity. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think they're going to introduce Tawny in the actual Shazam proper part. Not Maybe. Like, I think we're getting to Tawny. I do know that. That But like, that's just why I'm, I keep going to that sidekick, because I keep thinking, <laughs> mm, we're getting that tiger. I don't I don't know. So help me, we're getting that tiger. You know, every time I mention anything about being woke, I think of that Brooklyn Nine-Nine bit where uh, Captain Holt keeps saying he's a, uh, someone needs to wake up or become awake or something. They're like, Are, do you mean, sir, do you mean get woke? <laughs> and he was like, that is what I meant, but it was grammatically incoherent. Yeah. <laughs> I've, it, I, it's one I of those feel. moments where I feel I, I feel him for a lot of reasons. One is, you know, I I, I try, but God help me, uh, you know, point out something I'm doing wrong if I am. I'm I'm trying. Two, um, you remember like the the phrase "sending drivers out at Papa John's" that you're supposed to say is "buckle up, drive safe." Yeah, I didn't remember that, unfortunately. Obviously. And what did I say instead when I was going to actually say that? I don't know. Buckle oh, up, yeah, drive you, safely. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you you had to insert the adverb. Yes. The proper. Goddamn yeah. right I did. I regret nothing. Also, there were no consequences for me to regret. No. No one cared. Other than, like, the two people who thought it was funny being like, I mean, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> but I was right. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, those places, that's where English majors wind up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's true. Unfortunately. <laughs> and I'm a psychology major. I was basically just, it's like an English major with a very specific subset of terms. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's just wrong for the scientific community, but mm. it's a growing science. It's now, a play science. It's not soft. It's not hard. It's getting there. All right. <laughs> Some people, <laughs> like a couple of people, are like I know what he's talking about. I just felt like Space Ghost there, like yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and then they cut back to me, the mantis, just blinking twice without moving. Zorak. Zorak. Yeah, and then you Zorak. continue to the next thing. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> uh and you know it does make sense though that uh that the JSA would be in this thing. We've gotten reports before. They were unsubstantiated reports, but reports that Hawk Girl was going to be in this thing. Um sounds sweet. So, especially uh, yeah. because there are some Egyptian ties to her background in certain versions of it. Mm, in certain versions, yeah. <laughs> I I I've never been able to make sense of all of Dude, DC's the Hawks, Hawk man. continuities. The Hawk continuity is rough and Mm-hmm. And weirdly, like, kind of all plausible in a way. Yeah. Like, all of it. Like, and at once. Uh, now, it was, it's funny, though, because they've, there was a draft where they said Hawkman and Hawkwoman and maybe Stargirl was in this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's talking about this. Uh, Heroic Hollywood, uh, grain of salt, though you should take with anything they say, has said that they have, uh, news that Dr. Fate and Isis are going to be in this thing as well. 
I mean, I love that. You know, it gave me pause because suddenly Zari not being in Legends of Tomorrow anymore made absolute sense, and I just hated that I had that thought. Oh, okay. Because also I them want- literally leaving the Doctor Fate helmet in Constantine, which is apparently continuity shelved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all possible. Yeah. Alrighty. But, you know, at the same time, though, you remember Doctor Fate is the closest they have to the that DC has to the Sorcerer Supreme, which was a movie that made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Kind of in a similar time frame. Yeah, wouldn't I, surprise me if they benched him thinking, no, I think we can do more with this character later. Maybe. I just, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not I, feeling Dr. Fate as a primary character, unless they change him a lot. There's a lot to play with there that I think people don't, I, I, I think he gets underplayed. He's one of the characters I would love to have a swing at just to be like, look, if you just tweak this and this, I think there's a lot of relatability to him. Yeah, I can uh, see that. Most of it being that Nabu's a son of a bitch and Kent is uh, somebody that we're rooting for. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. And anytime I say stuff like that, I don't mean to obviously pit them against each other. I just mean they take ideas from each other. Like mm-hmm. that's how these things work. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see. <laughs> there is apparently like okay, Black Adam's producer and Shazam's producer, by the way, Hiram Garcia, mm-hmm. was at a press event for Jumanji: The Next Level. And uh, now Danny Garcia, the uh, the manager of the Rock and Henry Cavill, or Henry Cavill specifically, I guess. Uh, you know, they're they're related. So a lot of people have been thinking we really could have a Superman Cavill Black Adam team up thing going on. They were asked about it. Garcia says, "I think the DC universe is a wonderful universe, and we're open to everything. We have big aspirations for it. We're friends with Henry, and Henry are friends. It's a huge or Dwayne and Henry are friends. It's a huge comic book brand." Uh, and I always love the idea. Who knows? But man, Black Adam for Superman is really cool. That'd be really powerful. Uh, That'd be a big win, I think. I love that they're still talking about that um, and not shooting it down. Mm-hmm. So that's a little more hope mm-hmm. squeezed yeah. out of that stone. I like the hope theme. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to shit on it at some point, but I yeah. like it. And uh, they were asked if... Um, you know, because DC is taking a lot of some different approaches, isolated, connected, but also not connected. Will this Black Adam movie stand on its own or will it exist within the DCEU? And Garcia says, he, he gives a confusing answer, but he says, Naturally. So first, because this is the same world as Shazam, where everything is doing their own separate world. I don't know what that means. But he did say this is the same world as Shazam, so I'm going to ignore the last half of that sentence. (laughs) He says, we have plans for our own version. We're starting to craft a DC universe er there around Black Adam, Shazam, and so forth, and the plans for characters we have that are going to be introduced and so forth. These are not sentences, Hiram. They're not, but But you you get the idea that maybe they're... The word world... To us means something or, very specific. Or universe, I think. Or universe, or, or loaded language to DC mm-hmm. fans, or Marvel fans. Um, it Maybe he just means that they're building their own space, like their own breathing mm-hmm. room. But this does sound more, more cogent, I should say. Ultimately, we love the idea of a shared universe. I think the fans love the idea of a shared universe. They love seeing these characters interact. So we have very ambitious plans. How are we going to do that and orchestrate it? And it's all in the works. Yeah. So, yay. That sounded like he was on the other end of a stroke. Like, yay, he came out. The light was at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) And he made it through. (laughs) And he formed a couple of sentences. It just (laughs) took some time and maybe a computer algorithm to get those 
sentences into a thought, but we got there. Yeah. Hiram Garcia is just Lex Luthor from Dark Knight Strikes Again. He's he's just a hologram. <laughs> he kind of pixels out every once in a while. Yes. I like it. All right. So there was a really fascinating article over at Rolling Stone. Brian Hyatt wrote, he, he was like an interview where he was talking to J.J. Abrams about uh, the rise of Skywalker. Right. And I had no intention of reading that article, but I wound up reading the entire article because it was a really good interview. And I actually was interested in the Star Wars stuff for once. So I was like, oh, well, these are good answers. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, at the beginning of the, of the, uh, of the article, he's talking about they're in, uh, JJ Abrams' office on the second floor of his bad robot, uh, production headquarters in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And this is what this guy writes. Brian Hyatt writes of the Rolling Stone. Abrams just struck a massive production deal with Disney rival Warner Media which could get his hands on Superman, Batman, and the rest of the DC Comics pantheon. There are there are a notable number of Superman toys among the whimsical decorations downstairs. We haven't had those discussions yet, Abrams says, not quite convincingly. <laughs> and then they go into the Star Wars stuff. I just loved that. Like, no, that's not confirmation of anything. But, you know, if if Abrams is like, not convincingly saying that they haven't had discussions and the lobby is full of a bunch of damn Superman toys. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> it's, yeah, it could mean something. Um, we, I mean, we've all seen, maybe we haven't all seen, but doing this show for coming up on five years, every yeah. time someone starts to get involved in a property, DC just sends them like a ton of shit, <laughs> like toys, comics, all sorts of, you know, DVDs and stuff for them to like, just really like hunker down and get into the character and see get what they can come the up space with. And, and uh, I'm just okay. There's a box full of of uh, reading material. Yeah, just toy with it, flip through that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like doing what we do, we start to take note of you know little actions that the studio and directors and people like that are taking, and uh, that's a big red flag for me. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about some more red flags that could equal hope later mm-hmm. on. But um, check this out. In a Men's Health magazine. <laughs> Men's Health, I guess, I don't know if it was a magazine or not. I'm old. Men's Health published a new interview. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was digital or not. But they oh, were I talking to Henry Cavill. I, I think that's still a magazine. Is it? I don't know if they're publishing digitally or whatever exclusively. But I, I think that's still a magazine. Okay. That I've like seen on the shelf in the grocery store recently. <laughs> Everyone who's ever seen me knows that I would not be interested in a magazine called men's health so i wouldn't know (laughs) (laughs) unless you literally looked like "Hmm, superman yeah yeah i have literally picked up men's health on maybe two occasions and one of them was to go oh hey david boranis got ripped to play on bones (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i don't remember oh the other one was because my friend uh my old friend sean Said, hey, this girl I know thought that this was pornographic. What do you think? And I picked it up and looked at it. I was like, eh, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this is a big deal yeah. to me. Uh, Henry Cavill, in this interview, says he has still not given up on playing Superman. He says, um, quote, the cape is in the closet. It's still mine. I'm not just going to sit quietly in the dark as, a, as all this stuff is going on. 
I've not given up the role. There's a lot I have to give for Superman yet. A lot of storytelling to do. A lot of real, true depths to the honesty of the character I want to get into. I want to reflect the comic books. That's important to me. There's a lot of justice to be done for Superman. The status is, Good you'll see. Yeah, that's solid. I I like the idea that Cavill's just showing up at meetings he was not invited to. Like, mm-hmm. And what are we doing? <laughs> I hope that's what's happening. I would love that. And I, you know, I don't. I kind of want him to show up with the the Clark Kent glasses too. That would be funny. That would really make me laugh. Or hell, just walk into a meeting at Warner Brothers about one of these movies in full Superman costume and sit down. Mm-hmm. And what's next? Mm-hmm. And just see where that takes the meeting. <laughs> it sounds fantastic. Yep. <laughs> okay, so I love his faith, though, man. I, I've loved his faith from day one. Yeah, and I just like to periodically hear from Henry Cavill because you see so much negativity on Twitter, like, oh, Cavill's out, Cavill's out. I think he's done. He, I think he's, And, you know, even people that I actually really genuinely like on a personal level who I listen to in podcasts, uh, the whole the whole nine yards will say, I think Cavill's out. Oh, yeah. So every three or four months, you know, I feel like that comes to a certain, you know, uh, apex like people just keep like oh more and more and more and then Cavill comes out and goes nope still Superman yeah like, and when he talks cool. about it it's so genuine that I feel like if someone did show up and be like you know we need the costume back but mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah I, I hear you um, before you try to get the costume I just want to ask you do you realize why they cast me mm-hmm. because I'm giant <laughs> do and, you want to come in here and try to take this costume from me i feel like henry cavill is the type of guy who i guess if, all in a british accent well yeah i think if henry cavill if they actually did say hey we're gonna go in another direction with the movies yeah um i feel like henry cavill would probably call greg berlani and say hey i hear you're doing crisis <laughs> <laughs> like um just a pitch I can afford flying to Vancouver, and they haven't taken the costume from me yet. I'll take Would you scale. Like to do a thing? Yeah, I'll take scale. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't give a shit. And, um, I mean, are you interested? And by this point, Greg Berlanti has, by the way, already just started texting people. Isn't even aware that the are you interested part of the conversation is happening. He's already texting people and arranging shoot dates. Like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I will send a plane right now. Yep. All right. You feel like getting into the Snyder Cut stuff? I'm going to let you get into it. All right. I'd be I'd be interested to see if this changes your thoughts on it. All right. All right. So gonna, while you get started, I'm going to take a giant LaCroix gulp. Mm-hmm. Do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, first of all, New York Times is reporting that um, Snyder's Cut was shown to filmmakers Andrea Burloff Alan Heinberg and Joss Whedon and that Joss uh, was brought on to do those reshoots. We knew that, which apparently included 80 new script pages. And they're reporting that Wonder Woman and Lois Lane were bolstered by Whedon. And a lot of the cut footage includes side stories for the flash and cyborg, which we, we already knew about cut Iris out completely. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, just to throw that in there, I was not aware of the 80 new pages situation, right? Barbara? No, I thought it was supposed to be Barbara. Uh, there was a, a character, Jenna Malone's character in BBS was thought to be Barbara and then it wasn't. Sorry, that's what I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah. 
Anyway, so uh, just to give you a quick backstory, we talked a lot. I, t- I talked about a little bit about this uh, last week on the show. I kind of did like a little blurb where I kind of came in and talked about it briefly, but a little bit of it. Uh, but last week, November 17th, was the two-year anniversary of Justice League's theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, if listeners are not aware, those who support Zack Snyder's cut of the film got the hashtag release the Snyder cut trending on Twitter that day in support of Zack in an attempt to show Warner Brothers that there is a substantial audience for it. Uh, last I saw, they had over 800,000 tweets of mm-hmm. release the, the Snyder cut. Uh, earlier this year, Zack Snyder stated that it was done. He has a copy. We don't know exactly what he meant. Lots of people feel that it's just that he's just talking about the production, that there's still uh, a lot of visual effects to complete. Now, last month, Jason Momoa, a stalwart advocate for releasing the Snyder Cut, said that he had seen the cut and possibly implied that Zack Snyder may have finished the effects himself. And, of course, Warner Animation Director and BVS Wonder Woman and Justice League storyboard artist Jay Oliva has been adamant that the, the, the Snyder Cut is a real thing and should be released. On the 17th, during this outpouring of support for Zack, it wasn't just fanboys who were getting in on the hashtagging, and that's really a big part of what's important here. Now, we've got Ray Fisher. He's always been huge on the Snyder Cut stuff. I oh, mean, yeah. it's the majority He's of his one. stuff that got, that got cut. Yeah. Um, he posted a picture of himself in the football helmet that says, two years, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. This one was mm-hmm. a surprise. Gal Gadot, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Zack Snyder shared her tweet and said, this ancient Amazonian can't be wrong. Right. Which Zack Snyder doesn't go onto Twitter generally, and he doesn't say release the Snyder Cut. This is the first time he's ever hashtagged release the Snyder Cut. Zack Snyder himself. Then hmm. Ben Affleck tweeted release the Snyder Cut. Then Zack yeah. retweeted and said neither can Batman. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut. And I was excited because I was like, this is the first time we've gotten Ben and Gal involved in this. And the first time Zack has said this uh, officially. Right. We know he's talked to people on Twitter. Uh, and, you know, and we, there was a big outpour of other people. Uh, Kevin Smith called for Warner Brothers to release it. He says, Dear WB Pictures, if even Batman is calling for it, it's time to release the Snyder Cut. And, uh, sounds like it would be a great subscription driver for HBO Max, which is something that's been brought up, uh, numerous times. Boss Logic, mm-hmm. the guy who does all the really cool Photoshop stuff. Yeah. Um, by the way, we even talked about the HBO Max being a, a viable mm-hmm. mechanism. Absolutely. Boss Logic, who just last week released two Black Adam collaboration pieces with Jim Lee. Officially. Officially. And has worked for Marvel and now DC officially. Released mm-hmm. a badass Snyder Cut poster on Instagram with the caption release the Snyder Cut at HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Yaya Abdul-Mateen said, honestly, I was in, originally indifferent because Justice League was before my time, but the DCEU fans are relentless and their passion has got me kind of amped up. I think it might just be time to release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Dave Bautista says, yes, release the Kraken. I mean, release the Snyder Cut. And then he says, I won't say that I've seen it, but I also won't say that I haven't. Okay. <laughs> Joe Manganello posts tons of pictures of, of Deathstroke on his Instagram. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Uh, Simi Lu, uh, I think that's how you say his name. Shang-Chi, that's the guy that's playing Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings, says, uh, <laughs> am I, uh, I can say that right, release a slider cut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, here's, here's a really interesting one to me. Damon Lindelof, showrunner of, of Watchmen, mm-hmm. says, I'm not saying I've seen it, but if I had, I would unequivocally, uh, support the powers that be to hashtag release the slider cut. Guess more interesting. Diane Nelson, former president of DC Entertainment, your mm-hmm. old nemesis. My old nemesis. Yes. Um, she was asked by a fan 
if they could tweet about her support for the Snyder Cut. Now, interestingly, that fan was Tim Yoko, the one of the co-hosts of the Suicide mm-hmm. Squad cast. Right. So that's neat. <laughs> Good job, Tim. Yeah. Good reach um, out. He asks if, if he can talk about it. Nelson says, thank you for uh, the courtesy of asking. If Zach feels he had the time and resources to finish a cut to his satisfaction, and he would like fans to see it, nothing more, uh, nothing would make me happier than for him to have that opportunity. He earned it and was not only a great filmmaking talent, but a true gentleman and a professional in all his dealing with the studio in DC. Now she took a screenshot of this, of this message and posted it on Twitter with the hashtag release the Snyder cut, of course. Um, so that's Diane Nelson in support can, of it. Well, can I quickly retract all of my previous animosity at Diane Nelson? <laughs> sure. <laughs> she is now my avatar for the situation. Right. <laughs> I thought you might feel that way too. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, uh, I, I, I can't imagine that worded any better. That's, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm hmm. Now, Boris Kidd at Hollywood Reporter reported that, uh, despite the groundswell and speculation, the Snyder cut, uh, that the Snyder Cut could go to Warner Brothers' upcoming streaming service, HBO Max. Insiders tell The Hollywood Reporter, no announcement of a release of any such cut is imminent. All right. But here's something interesting. Mm-hmm. The Warner Brothers, like when Zack Snyder left Justice League, Warner Brothers stopped following him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. An Instagram account that advocates for the release of the Snyder Cut took note that Warner Brothers, they're following Zack Snyder again. And he posted, or he or she, I don't know which one it is, but they posted a screenshot of Warner Brothers following Zack Snyder again. Mm -hmm. And who should like that but the HBO Max account? (laughs) What the hell, man? (laughs) So that's it. That's that's my my, uh, declaration of hope. They got a ton of people who are actually involved with this thing. Oh, David Ayer tweeted out, release the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Um, dude, I mean, everyone's sort of really like people are actually getting pissed at Henry Cavill because he didn't officially say it. I'm like, did you read the men's health? I think he kind of said it kind of. He also really wants to play Superman again. So it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) There's, he did also say in a separate interview that justice league didn't work, but he didn't go into it. But, um, I think a lot of, I, I think we've at least got a few people saying they've seen it or alluding to the fact that they've seen it. I'll feel you, Jason. I'm just rooting for you, man. You're rooting for me? Still no, still unchanged in your opinion, though? No. Oh, man. No, nothing. So Sorry. clarify, you still don't believe it exists? A version, yeah. Not a releasable yeah. version. I don't know if there's anyone sitting sure. on a film that, like, to release a Snyder Cut would mean that, one, a version that is ready to be released right. exists. Okay. And then to have released it would mean that there would be some mechanism uh, through which you could make money. And I right. just am not seeing that. Yet, sorry, still at the same spot before. I'm just, I don't see how they're going to make money off this. Not enough enough to justify jeopardizing the franchises they're trying to build. We we just talked about people trying to build spaces for themselves to to grow up in. And are you going to poke holes in that by releasing another cut and another version of something without an explanation? Like it 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 wouldn't make sense for the mythology of the DCE right now. Wouldn't make sense as a as a movie the only way it makes sense maybe as an hbo max added platform mm-hmm. thing and you know fact is that i'm not sure they need it hbo max hbo and warner brothers alone own so many things they don't need that to launch this streaming service i i i'll be honest i think they're in negotiations i don't they have anything be. to back that up i don't like at they this might be juncture, it might be like, something they're happy to move forward with and that i'm 
I really want to see it. Can't stress that enough. Yeah. Just don't I, think there's enough there for it. I really want to see it. I wouldn't put Zach, I wouldn't put it past Zach for him to finish it himself with his own money and just do it. I don't um, know if he can legally do that contractually. He can, he can legally do it. He can actually legally do it. He just can't release it. Maybe. Yeah. No, he could maybe work on it, but he can work on it all he wants. He just can't release it. That's the best, you know. It's the problem. You know, I would like to look into it a little bit further. And, and if anyone has any information, uh, let me know. But like the master tapes, for instance, of a recording, audio recording, uh, mm-hmm. like for ASCAP rules or something like that, or uh, you you don't own your master tapes it, unless mm-hmm. you have the rights to those master tapes. Like the Beatles themselves, like George Harrison joked, at, well, half joked at one point. It was like, we wrote, we wrote these songs in the back of a slip of paper and now I'm buying them for millions of dollars. Yeah. You don't own that shit. You can't work on it. You can't remaster it. You can't do anything. You, if you have access to it, it's underhanded. It's somebody slipping you a copy. It's something you could maybe show to your friends, but it's literally illegal, like actionably. Well, they haven't <laughs> taken they haven't taken any uh, any action against him posting stills and stuff. And uh, yeah, but some of the stills, like some I of the stills that he's working on, were were. I don't know, man. It, it, he's posting stills and storyboards. Yeah. I, and I don't know what stuff the le- that was in production. I don't know what the legalities are. I really don't. I have no idea. I mean, they did it in conjunction with his, uh, you know, his production company. So he might have, you know, figured out a deal to do whatever the hell he wants. I don't he know. Have, but, but I he think can't if release they, it. He can't, like, officially release it. That's the thing. It would take so much foresight for him to go into it saying, well, but I can work with the master copies. Oh, my God. You mean, like, an entire decade of working with Warner Brothers and having them screw him over? Yeah. yeah maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> also, an entire decade of Warner Brothers successfully screwing him over. <laughs> yeah. And and at that point, we're way past the fool me once, fool me twice thing. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? I don't know. I still, think I, the, I, the, I still think the most likely outcome is an HBO Max release in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And I... I I I'm already I'm 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 already gonna get HBO Max. Yeah, because it's gonna have some of the stuff that we watch anyway, and I'm just, or I'll borrow yours or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I I know I know that's in my future. I'm not objecting to that. This would be a huge boon for me to have this uh, cut to see. I want to see it too. Mm-hmm. Just not just not there yet. Sorry, hasn't changed me that much. Yeah. All right. It's a lot of support though, man. It's a lot of support. It's a lot of impressive support. It's it's a it's a lot of. People, all right, I, I don't want to get too draggy down on this. It's a lot of people spending four seconds to support a thing that may not have any realistic outcomes in the practical world. Yeah, but it says a lot, those four seconds. You know, when, no, when you talk really. about, it does, it does, it absolutely does. When, you know, you have publicists saying, don't tweet this, do tweet this, don't tweet, you know, when someone right. actually steps behind a statement like that and like, Basically, ostensibly, for all intents and purposes, uh, gets behind a group of fans, especially after this long of being silent. I think it's a big deal. Mm. I think it was a fun swell of support for a thing that may not happen. Well, sure. But uh, was it Matthew Salvatore that had the um, suggestion that if it does happen, um, you should be allowed to beat me with a digital copy? I'm not sure how that works. Somebody suggested that you should be able Yeah. That I no somebody suggested. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting names. Somebody suggested I should be beaten over the head with a DVD copy of. I think it was Travis Hines. Um, said I should be beaten <laughs> over the head with this copy before I would believe it exists. And I said a digital uh-huh. copy would do. And uh, Matthew Salvatore said that sounds fine. It sounds good. And I I 
I, I'm still promising that we'll make a video with you beating me over the head of a digital copy of this movie if it comes out now, and is, is real. Now, how does that work? Does that mean that it's like the, uh, the little slip of paper that has the code on it? You know, that could work. I, I was also just imagining like you miming the movie in your hand uh-huh. and, and me just, uh, you know, uh, falling down very quickly. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly how we'll do that, but mm-hmm. I'm willing to promise that I will be a part of it if you want to do it. Because it seems like a proper act of contrition, if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh-huh. And I will sell that shit. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, one of the things that makes this so palatable, your your disbelief, is the fact that you want to be wrong. So... I really do. I can't... Di- I the, no, Do not discount the amount that I want to be wrong about this. Please don't. It, I mean, I will be happiest to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just choose to hope, man. Just like I choose to, to hope that one day I'll go to Amazon and look for an Invisible Man from Sci-Fi Season 2 and it'll be there. And I'll be able to buy that DVD and co- complete my collection. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do. I hope to. But I don't think. I, I, my faith isn't there. But my hope mm. is. Uh, you know, I mean, I think if you go back far enough, you could see that I had hope, but I didn't have faith. If that makes any sense. <laughs> you. You could hear me going like, eh, I don't know, eh, it's not really news. And we didn't talk about it for a long time because there wasn't any news. I feel like a lot of this is news in in terms of like the, uh, you know, the possibility of it happening. Like, I feel like it's, it's there's a certain hi- hierarchy. Like, I'm not going to consider Zack Snyder posting another still a thing. Like, man, what the hell? I don't care. Yeah, he posts that still. Looks cool. It looks pretty. Great storyboards. Cute, you know, uh, uh, that would that would have been a fun thing to do with Martian Manhunter, and I wish we'd gotten to see that. Yeah, I'm, uh, me too. Fucking me too. But, you know, but when two-thirds yeah. of the trilogy and Zack Snyder himself says it, and then freaking HBO Max goes liking a post from a release of Snyder Cut uh, campaign, what, what are we doing here? Like, this is weird. Mm, I don't know. You have to admit it's weird. No, not necessarily. I know you don't you don't thing, have to do anything. Things trending and gaining some steam and there being a groundswell of support where it would not cost anything to all the individual parties to support that thing, but there not being any practical outcomes. Eh, that's a real thing. That's a real thing as well. Mm. Everybody write in of like it's the tell Jason, of what do you think like, about yeah, this that opinion? Sounds great. <laughs> I don't have to care. <laughs> I I'm sorry. I really, I, no one wants me to be wrong more than I do. No, I do. <laughs> I do. No, no, you don't understand. In my soul, you don't understand how much I want to be wrong. And you don't understand, in my soul, how much I want you to be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I may <laughs> underestimate that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of live for those days. Yeah, I get it. Like, take that, you smug bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and I will. <laughs> I will happily take that. All right. All right. We're going to go to break, and we're going to come back with um, a lot of TV news, honestly. So, see you in a second. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you fifteen percent or more." But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. 
The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. All right, we are back with uh, TV. You want to talk a little little TV, man? Let's do it. All righty. All right, we didn't really have like a whole lot of Titans news uh, per se, but uh, we had a bunch of people wanting to know what we thought about we're just how we're liking season uh, two. Uh, Rob Rivera, uh, Brandon Bayham, uh, Matthew Salvatore. Like everyone's wanting to know, like, you know, what we think of Titan season two. Uh, Brandon actually asked them if we had any speculation about the finale. Um, oh, what do you think, man? Um, How you feeling it? How you feeling it? That night I love the suitless. season. By the oh. way, is it Salvatore? Because I, I said Salvatore before, and I'm sorry. I think it's Salvatore. Well, one of us is right, and uh, hopefully we covered that at least. But, mm-hmm. um, man, I fucking love the season. I have Do you too. just want me to speculate about the outcome on it? Uh, yeah, because, you know, the the I don't know if you saw, the, the finale preview is basically teasing that someone's going to die. I only saw, and I, I, I really just genuinely haven't, my hours have been limited this last week. Um, but I I got to see one Twitter something that said like one will rise, one will fall. Yeah. And I didn't know what they meant by either. And I kind of didn't want to know until I'd already seen it because I saw that on Friday before I'd gotten home to actually watch the episode. Mm-hmm. So that was them posting it, you know, after the fact. And for me, it was before the fact. Right. So I didn't look into it. Um, I mean, that's all I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you want to like a, a spoilery kind of prediction? I mean, there's no spoiler. We don't know. So go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Actually, that would be kind of fun if spoiler showed up now as a result of you saying that. I would love that. <laughs> I could dig that. Um, I, oh, I'm kind of leaning. It's it's hard to say. Like, I'm leaning toward losing, I think, Rose. Mm-hmm. I th- like, I think I'm leaning toward that because I think we're going to put the Deathstroke story down and because she has a lot of background with her history or with, with uh, her father. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to maybe lose Rose and gain Jericho. Interesting. Do you think he'll she'll die or how does that work? How do you think that works? Do you think that he will somehow possess her and then we'll oh, get no. both of I them mean, or if she'll die and he'll just take over her body or I, I'm not sure how that would work. I'm just, I mean I'm I don't know about the mechanics of it. I'm just feeling out where I think the characters are leading. Mm. And uh, the characters that are really putting themselves out there right now are for the most part Hawkman, uh sorry, Hulk. Um <laughs> <laughs> You get why I made that slip. Um, <laughs> Hawk. Um, yeah, Dove is a side effect to some extent, but I, there, this isn't a show that's going to make her some collateral damage of his story. That That's no. not how they're going to make that role. Like, uh, Dawn if he better not go problems, away. You what? Dawn better not go away. No, she's fantastic. Um, if anything, Hawk's kind of a character <laughs> that I would like to see redeemed in a way that he is kind of maybe done. Mm-hmm. Like, his redemption arc could be pretty fantastic 
nothing wrong with the character, nothing wrong with the actor. Um, but it you could make his sacrifice if he's the one who falls mean a lot. Uh, I I don't know. I, I think it might be worth it. Jason Todd is an obvious choice in a way because mm-hmm. you know he's Jason Todd. Right. Um. There's no hint of Joker, so eh, I mean that's not really in the cards. But yeah, like uh, for Rose having an arc this season, and for Jericho to be someone who's moving forward, because like in the in the Judas contract, like Jericho's someone that 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 comes comes along as I don't know, someone you're rooting for, someone that may be a real part of the team. Whereas, uh, well, in that version, it's Tara that's really the betrayer, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in this version, it could be Rose, and she's playing very, uh, like, she's basically doing that role, I think, in this season. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, for her for her to be the one who falls, and for it to be Deathstroke's fault, and for him to, like, for me, the, the great emotional arc would be for Deathstroke. Because remember, he's pinned all of his emotional turmoil on Dick and... By the way, I love that as a slang because it means nothing and also as an actual thing because it means Dick Grayson. But mm-hmm. he's pinned his emotional uh, problems on this this guy and wanting to destroy his family and, and the Titans and everything like that. And really, uh, theoretically, he has destroyed his family uh, to the extent that he had to destroy a portion of his family um, just, <laughs> just to keep him around. And now the other part that's still around doesn't want to have anything to do with him. Like, it would make a lot of sense to me if he ends up killing her. Mm-hmm. And that's what really destroys Deathstroke. Not some final play by the Titans or some, you know, last minute gut move by Dick Grayson who finally kills Deathstroke or something. Something where he finally puts himself down. Yeah. Hmm. That would make a lot of sense to me emotionally. Okay. And Jericho, as a result of that, would rise. So he would just, you think he would just be in Deathstroke's body? Maybe. I don't know how that works. I mean, I guess they could write it any way they want, really. They haven't been too explicit with his powers. He could rise as a result of Rose or, yeah. or Deathstroke. But I don't think they would keep Deathstroke's body around unless they meant to do something with Deathstroke. Because he's too like potent to the mm-hmm. Titans universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think uh, story-wise, character-wise, I think it makes more the most sense for Rose to, to, to die. Or so we're maybe, on the same page there. Yeah, or maybe, maybe Hawk. Maybe like she makes the suicide or the sacrifice play, and then he like stops her and goes and in anyway. It f- for does it for her. Um, now production wise, I think Gar. <laughs> Just like get that CGI off the table. He, yeah, he's been messed about with by uh, Cadmus. Yeah, he's been killing a whole bunch of people. He's kind of got that in his head that that's what's going on. Um, <clears throat> the uh, uh, thematically though for the show. He was such an innocent before, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in season one, he finally kills, and they have this the whole tasting blood thing, and uh, it would make a lot of sense for me in season two if they upgraded his character to, no, he's truly dangerous. Mm-hmm. And we did see in the pilot that he became a snake, and apparently he doesn't remember that he did. Um, yeah. He just says, I can turn it into a tiger. Yeah. I I think that there would be a lot of wasted potential there, like there are clearly some uh, cutoff storylines. But from a storytelling perspective, it would make sense in that we don't expect him to be the one that that goes. And from a production standpoint, it makes sense that he would be the one to go because, my God, the special effects. All right. The special effects and it being surprising, I'll give you. And I can stand behind that. But also thematically, him being some kind of monster that doesn't know how to deal with himself. Mm -hmm. Thematically, that's pretty much the point of the show. Mm hmm. I mean, Raven, Dick, Starfire, all of them, Hawk and Dove as a as a couple, like all of them have this problem. They're 
they're they're brutal beings inflicting damage on their world and they don't know what they're supposed to do with that. Yeah, but if he makes the sacrifice play and says, no, this oh, time... Oh, we get I'm, a redemption card. Yeah, yeah, this time I get to choose, you know? It's one of the beauties of the show, though, is that we could pick a number of characters who might get to do that, and it would kind of make sense for most of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they say one will fall, I don't know. I mean, it could even just mean Starfire gets to fuck off and go actually fix her planet. <laughs> yeah. Because apparently that shit got real weird for her. All I'm saying is it better not be Dawn. It better not be Crypto. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else can fall where they may. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would watch I would the show with Dawn, was, Donna, <laughs> and Crypto. I would be okay if they all died and it was just a show about a hot lady and her dog. <laughs> <laughs> It's basically the anti-John oh. Wick is what you're rooting for. Maybe. Because in a lot of ways, the John Wick movies are hot kick-ass dude with a revenge play and his not dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. You see where I'm going. I, I do. Uh, I am kidding, though. I, I do, I do want to see a lot of these characters continue no, on. I genuinely I, think no matter who it anybody. is who supposedly falls, um, and... I will give it this. The one thing I'm rooting for is if somebody is going to fall, I, I want it. I want it to be a real fall. I want consequences. I want yeah. stakes. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they've built in so many of these characters that I'll be pretty sad about whatever happens. Yeah, I don't. I will. I don't actually legitimately want anyone to die. Like I. No, I'm not rooting for anybody to be written off the show. It's a really well built show. I mean, yeah. I. I think there's it somebody. Would be... There's somebody you want to go. Who is it? I. Okay. So. Here's my thought, but I I don't want it to happen on the show. I want the show to come back. I want everyone to sort of go their separate ways and do their own thing for a second, uh-huh. or certain people to, and then when we come back, we find we get the, the the Titans get the news that Jason Todd has been murdered. Oh, okay. But I do want him to show back up. I just want him to come back as Red Hood. <laughs> he would make a great Red Hood. Mm-hmm. I like. I hope that's in his story arc for this season. But like, yeah, like I'm, I'm hoping for like Titan no, not season for the season for this series. Sorry, I want Titan season five or six or something if they get there to you know feature a uh, you know a backdoor pilot for Red Hood and the Outlaws. And you know that's what I've been rooting for the whole time. Like hell yeah, get Arrow off the air. We can bring in Roy Harper. Let's do- <laughs> let's make this happen. I I will miss Arrow, but I want my Red Hood and the Outlaws. We have our Starfire. I get it. Sounds good. I, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know who they could kill that I would be happy about. I, I all of I, I think I'm going to cry watching this episode. Mm-hmm. That's my prediction for the episode. That's my real prediction for the episode. I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm also going to have a moment of, yeah! You know, the... um. I mean, when I saw, like, Superboy and Crypto last season finale, when, when that was the, the big stinger reveal, I, I literally jumped out of my chair. <laughs> yeah. I have been a little. I I have been a little disappointed that there hasn't been more of him this season, or more of them, really. I mean, I I get it, Um, but I think it's also a character you have to take in doses. Um, He's like I've really appreciated him in uh, Young Justice, where they've got Mm -hmm. to they've gotten to grow his character from literally just this uh, mute clone, uh, fucking hybrid weirdo, like someone who had no idea what was going on, Mm -hmm. uh, to someone who is now. In charge, perfectly coherent, perfectly aware, no real social awkwardness. Like, we got to see his character grow. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I like that they've started in that dark, deep place as far as him as somebody who's, uh, you know, he didn't he didn't get to grow up on the Kent farm. Yeah. This guy's a fucking weirdo for all the good reasons. Mm hmm. Like he doesn't there's no analog for him. He doesn't know where shit's going. He doesn't know where. <laughs> you know, he, how weird would it be to just wake up and be able to do this stuff and not know that when you assault a group of cops that that's a problem because like, well, they were, you know, they, they were uh, attacking that guy. Well, but they're cops. You have to, there's a lot of gray area. You gotta, you gotta deal with a situation yet. Like, I like that, that, that it's that complicated for him mm -hmm. and that they're dealing with that. Yeah. And that he has a crypto by his side to do it. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. So I think we should stop talking about Titans. Yep. Because what, what we got like a couple of weeks before we actually just probably review the season. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, it's coming up in a few days and we'll we'll have our review soon. All right. Uh, Bottom so, line prediction. We're excited. Yay. And speaking of excitement, Crisis on Infinite Earths, man. I didn't oh, even say God. that right. Crisis on Infinite Earths, man. <laughs> I think I said Infinite Earths. Oh, no. <laughs> I said it like the dude after a few too many Moscow's. Not Maskell's. What do you watch? Uh, uh, what do you drink? Um, I, can I know make what the it drink. is. It's Kahlua, milk, yeah. or creamer. White Russian. And vodka. White Russian. Thank you. I don't know why my brain wasn't thinking of that. You can my, make my, the damn drink. It's like my favorite gif of all time is that like <laughs> gif of him just like stirring his white Russian and looking like, you're an idiot. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know what's going on right here. But... All right. Crisis, man. They released a teaser yeah. or a trailer or whatever you call it. We see an antimatter. I think that's a proper teaser. The yeah. trailer. Yeah. Treaser. We see God we see an antimatter wave wash over Star Labs. We get a teary-eyed Supergirl says they're gone. Barry tells 90s Barry every second another Earth dies. Yeah. We have a Batman costume and cobwebs. Batwoman saying, let's let's go save the universe. She's got one of those little like doohickeys that lets her jump between universes. The vibe yep. tech thing. Yeah. Clark and Lois and a baby. Yeah. We have uh, Kingdom Come Superman say, hope is the light that lifts us out of darkness. We have Supergirl say, we might God lose damn, the planet, but we can still save the people. And Oliver screaming, there's not time. And Monitor screaming, the battle is lost. Wait, does he say there's not time? I think that's what he says. I thought he said this isn't the time. Eh, either way. <laughs> what does it mean? No, if it's there's not time, he's worried about the end point. If it's this isn't the time, he has some idea and, and it's going sideways. Yeah. I thought he said the second one. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that. I don't care. All right, well. I'm I'm just digging this man, and oh, I yeah. feel like the whole thing what, looks fantastic. What do you think? Do you, like, it it sounds like they're just going to destroy Earth 38, and all the people of Supergirl's Earth, or a portion of them, are going to be allocated to Earth One. I'm genuinely hoping they stick to the original idea of the crisis. I don't all think of them. They won't. I'm telling you, they won't. <sighs> I'm that's this is a point where I'm holding out hope until I see it, and it's only a couple weeks away, so I can afford that. I'm kind of hoping they just erase everything. I mean, we have Blight Lightning saying, like, you're telling me everyone on my Earth is blah, blah, blah. All that. And Supergirl yeah. Earth, was it 38? Yeah. It was 39 and 37 and 19 and 17 at some points. But I'm pretty sure that's my bad memory. So I'm going to go with your 38. It's 38. But I'm I'm fairly certain certain universes will stay intact, that they will save some of them. I don't think Supergirls will be one of them. And I don't think Black Lightnings will be one of them. I, I do. I really, I want them to all be crushed down. I don't think they will be. I think, I think all the CW shows, Earths will be crushed down into one singular. And then like, there will still be a Titans Earth. There will still be a Kingdom Come Earth. There will, you know, a Smallville Earth. I think all of those things will still be in play. But I, 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 I think, I think Earth 90 might go away for sure. Yeah, but I, 
But I, I think, think it, the thing that's most likely to happen is the the flyers. The thing that Guggenheim was uh, like calling people every day, like we've got to get these people involved. I think those mm-hmm. are the universes that are most likely to fail or to fall. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, I think Burton's Earth will probably go away. Gone. Earth sixty six will probably go away. Um, Two maybe gone. But I don't see. Like I think the ones that might, and I, I don't think they're going to do the same thing. They're not going to crush it all down. I think they're literally going to destroy those Earths of the other CW shows and just literally take at least, at the very least, the main cast or a big portion. Like Black Black Lightning might save Freeland. You know, Supergirl might save her Earth, but I don't think it's going to be. I just don't see it. I don't. I, I don't know. I I might be wrong. I mean, some part of me would love to see. Some part of me would love to see like a version for each character that does have a different Earth. Mm-hmm. Have like a a moment of like, oh my God, we actually made it, and then maybe they vanish into the light, but they had a happy ending or whatever. Um, another part of me just keeps thinking like, yeah, you're just we're, we're just gonna collapse your universes into this one mm-hmm. because I think that's what I really want to see is all these characters still in play to some extent. Well, I mean, you might get some of that. Like, some of them might wind up living on Earth-1 because, you know, by nature of being on the team, they're going to wind up being there. But uh, I just, I don't, you know, I think pretty much they'll probably... Well, look, I guess it depends on how much you really trust the Monitor because he, you know, told Laurel that he can restore Earth-2. Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, do you think he really actually can? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. There's also a... It's it's a thing I've seen in a few places in the DC universe where existing in another universe is vibrationally a problem. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a limited time offer. Mm-hmm. So part of me also wonders to what extent can they crunch this down? Mm-hmm. Like if it, and if that's not uh, how to put it, I don't think that's a thing they've brought up in the Arrowverse. And I don't think where, they will. Where it would be an objectionable part of however this ends. Mm-hmm. But if they brought it up and used it to their advantage, it is out there. Yeah, it's out there. I do generally think they're going to shrink it down. <sighs> I mean, it's a CW show. After all, they're going to bring everyone together, have a big bad, defeat them, shrink everything down to some of the working parts. All of the actors and actresses who are currently employed are going to remain employed. Mm-hmm. I don't think there will be any big surprises as far as that goes. And people will continue their shows. I yeah. do think... The major, I I think the major advantage that we're going to get out of this is a little bit more crossover in the shows that were just kind of like tangential, like Supergirl mm-hmm. and Black Lightning and whatever else they decide to bring in from time to time. Right. I don't know, man. I don't know. They're bringing in a whole lot of stuff from a whole lot of different places. Oh, yeah. It's getting crazy. It's getting crazy. Um, someone had a fun little theory and then I saw uh, Beth Schwartz kind of talked about it a little bit. They were, she was asked... Um, if there is an Earth where baby Sarah still exists, <laughs> Lila and Diggle's first child before Flashpoint. It's a good question. And uh, Beth Schwartz says, we are definitely making up for that this season, so keep your eyes open for it. Nice. And that has led to some to, uh, led some to theorize that uh, the reason Lila is helping oh. the Monitor is because he promised her a world yeah. where Sarah, to show her a world where Sarah existed. That's fair. Also, Lila could just be working because she understands. Lila has always been a character who just understands the landscape and rolls with it. Just, I, I think that's probably true. I think that she's pro- probably is doing that. But at the same time, like I have always really wanted. To, I've always thought that she and Diggle did not take that nearly as hard as I wanted them to. 
Well, they they took it really hard, but they also had I don't want to call them a consolation prize, but it's also hard to <laughs> in their universe they just always had this child, and then they were told about a theoretical version where they also had another separate thing, and it it can be a little bit like when you wake up from a dream and mm-hmm. someone did something to you that you maybe see that morning over breakfast, mm-hmm. and you kind of think like I know that was a dream, but I wonder, you know, mm-hmm. and like I get that, but. To them, reality is only this way. They just have that boy. They yeah. don't have that girl. Well, I think and, I think the monitor is just offering people shit. Yeah, whether I, he can I, give it or not. Yeah, and I like the ring that they're bringing in Harbinger because thematically, you know, you got to wonder to what extent Monitor is actually a Harbinger and to what extent, you know, she's just a, a person of action in this yeah. case. Um, I I I dig the idea for sure. I dig the idea that she's rooting for the the the, the little girl that. She would like to have had, mm-hmm. but it could also just be for Lila. It could just be that she just knows this is the best play and she's going to fucking do it because she's a badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. God, Lila is one of the unspoken badasses of this universe. I'm so glad to see her actually suit up at this point. Yeah, me too. Not unspoken. A lot of people have spoken about it. But yeah, lots of people have, honestly. One of the lesser, I don't know, lesser celebrated, if we can work with that. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, I, I would say uh, commonly overlooked. Yeah, I, I, I can deal with that. Commonly yeah. overlooked, yeah. All right, so uh, they put out a picture of Kevin Conroy as uh, uh-huh. Bruce. He's got the Kingdom Come exoskeleton, man. Yeah, I like it. That's what he's got. That's what he's got. And we've got, uh, we've got, they put out pictures of uh, Kingdom Come Superman, and one of his pictures, he's Clark Kent, and there is a newspaper behind him. And mm-hmm. there is a, an artist rendering of the Daily Planet uh, being attacked by gas. And, it, and it's uh, saying that um, numerous fatalities in news office gas attack. Now, the artwork is by Alex Ross. Mm-hmm. The article, the primary article is by Mark Wade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I may know where this is going. And uh, the, it hints at the, the Kingdom Come uh, backstory for Superman because Joker launched a gas attack on the Daily Planet. Uh, Lois wound up getting killed, and that's what made Superman go into seclusion at his little uh, Kent Farm hologram. Love it. Now, so if we're, if we're doing Kingdom Come Batman with Kevin Conroy and Kingdom Come Superman, we've, 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 we've gotten that, uh, that announcement that Spectre's going to be around. Mm-hmm. And you know, I can't think of a better end of days than the freaking crisis on Infinite Earths. Are, are we getting Minister Norman? I hope so. We know we were getting the Spectre. Is he? Is, oh, I'd love a reprisal. I mean, if we if we get Spectre, you know, inhabiting or making, uh, you know, some minister named Norman the the human, uh, you know, witness, uh, witness or host or witness, or maybe he's using that as Pariah. Maybe he's Pariah is the is taking the place of Minister Norman in this iteration. It could be, but those are two separate stories. We already have a Sandman in this universe. Fuck it. Bring him back. A Sandman? Do we not have a Sandman from the JSA in Legend of Tomorrow? Oh, yeah, we do. We do. Bring him back. Let's do this thing. Also, cast him differently, because who the fuck cares? (laughs) All right, so they've released uh, some plot synopses for the first three parts of Crisis. I'm going to talk about them. Shoot. Part 1, the kickoff to the epic television crossover event Crisis on Infinite Earth. The Monitor sends Harbinger to gather the world's greatest heroes, Supergirl, The Flash, Green Arrow, Batwoman, 
White Canary, The Atom, and Superman, Tyler Hecklin, in preparation mm. for the impending crisis. With the world's in imminent danger, the superheroes suit up to battle while Jean and Alex recruit Lena to help them find a way to save the people of Earth-38. That speaks to more of the theory that they're just going to save the people of Earth-38, not Earth-38 itself. Mm-hmm. Part two, can the real Clark Kent please stand up? Uh... <laughs> Part two of Crisis on Infinite Earths continues with special guest stars Tom Welling, Erica Durance, and Kevin Conroy. The group uses Ray's invention to track new recruits to help save the universe. The Monitor sends Iris, Clark, and Lois in search of a mysterious Kryptonian, while Kate and Kara head out to find Bruce Wayne, guest star Kevin Conroy. In addition, Mia challenges Sarah, Rory, uh, sorry, uh, challenges Sarah, Rory, discovers a hidden talent and lex luther returns uh laura belzy directed the episode and uh, sorry i'm gonna cut that out <laughs> i couldn't read that one for some reason <laughs> all right and then part three black lightning joins the arrowverse in the third chapter of the crossover pariah enlists black lightning to help stop the anti-monitor after flash 90 guest star wesley ship John Wesley Ship mm-hmm. shares what he learned from his battle in Elseworlds. With the help of Black Lightning, Barry, Cisco, and Killer Frost come up with a plan that could save them all. Meanwhile, Iris has a heart-to-heart with Ryan Choi, while Oliver and Diggle return to an old familiar stomping ground. And we know that that's just going to be like the end of the like half of the of the crossover. There's like two more episodes to come after the winter break. Yeah. And honestly, those three don't sound like a lot, and I need that. Like, I was a little disappointed by those synopses, and I desperately needed that. I was telling <laughs> I was telling Brent from Fans Without Borders last night. I was like, man, I'm so hyped for Crisis. There is no way it's not going to disappoint me now. I really need to, like, I need something to help me scale down on my excitement. Yeah, you need something that's like, all right, we're just going to try a thing. These people are going to be here for a minute. We're going to do this over here for a second. Mm-hmm. We're gonna work on this story. It's it's you know don't it's it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> All right. We we have uh, Erica Durant was doing an interview. I think it was with Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, she was talking about coming back. And she said it's a little bit of a look into uh, Clark and Lois's future and the different choices they've made to be together. It's a full circuit, uh, full circle moment. That's really nice. Um, whoa! Drop my whole headset there. Nice. Trying to scratch my ear. <laughs> nice. Um, she says she was... And by the way, they said in this article, she is playing Supergirl's mother mm-hmm. in the crisis as well. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so bummed out that I, I can't... I like that they're bringing that in, though. I, yeah. I, I dig it. I can't, I'm so bummed out that I can't stop being excited. No, it, it would have a little bit bothered me. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and she said that she's... <laughs> She says she was surprised when the producers reached out about stepping back into Lois's shoes. She says, uh, my first thought was like, really? How are you going to manage this? But mm-hmm. the writers are just spectacular about how they can pull all the different shows together and all of these different characters, and they make sense of all the timelines. So I was at first very, very curious to see what it would be and getting to actually go out and do it. I, of course, was very excited to go back and get to play Lois again. And then she said being back on the Kent farm was was weird, but in a good way. She says, it was bizarre. It felt like we hadn't missed a beat. It was just easy. It was like coming back in and working with family. It was a little bit bizarre because we went back on somebody else's show. But we're in a set that we're familiar with, the farm and all those things. It was very, very cool. And then Mark Guggenheim 
said that he was really delighted seeing them on screen again. He says, every turn, every nuance, every little choice is just so perfect. The beautiful thing is that this material was written by Batwoman show, showrunner Carolyn Dries and writers Don Whitehead and Holly Henderson, who had all worked on Smallville. Nice. Having been writers on Smallville, I, st- uh, I stepped aside and let them speak to where things were headed. As a fan of the show, it answered a lot of questions that I had, and it provided a lot of closure, I think, in a really nice way. And uh, he says that he did share a scene with uh, Smallville co-creator Alfred Goff before filming. And he says, I wouldn't say he blessed it necessarily, but he described it as something fun. <laughs> I just had to, I had to include that. That is like my favorite bit of the whole article. It's like I like the idea of like Alfred Goff just sitting around going, eh, whatever. I guess. No, the image that came to mind for me was him chewing on like a a Caesar salad and just being like, <laughs> yep. Oh man. All right, so did, I guess you didn't see that Crisis on Infinite Earths poster they put out. No. It's oh, just a, no, I did see that. You did see that. It was, yeah. oh, I want that on my wall, man. Uh, it's solid. I want that on my wall. Yeah, that was a good piece. <laughs> uh, now, Alan Richson, the guy that uh, plays Hawk on Titans, mm-hmm. um, he said, he told Collider, uh, they asked if he was going to be showing up on Crisis, and he says, they did reach out to me. We tried to work it out. We were shooting, and it was very difficult. It was a very difficult schedule for us. We were shooting three episodes at once, uh, at once, all the time. I would have to, I would have had to leave the country and come back to get a permit specifically for that show. I did want to participate. We tried to work it out. I'm happy that everybody is getting to come back. I'm especially happy for the fans. That's why we do this. Those shows are like a bonanza for the fans. I wish I could have been a part of it. Now he said they they wanted him to show up not as Hawk. But as Aquaman, Aquaman from Smallville. Yeah. And I'll say this. I And I've said it on Twitter, full transparency. Mm-hmm. I have said, and I do mean, I will believe he did not come back when I see he did not come back. I, I saw that, and I chuckled and kind of agreed. <laughs> I liked that he had thought about it that much. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Titans films in Atlanta, I think, versus Vancouver. I mean, yeah, it's it's that's a day trip. Like an entire day trip. Yeah. That would be hard to, yeah, that would be hard to do. But, you know, I'm also thinking about, yeah, there, if they, I mean, we've, we've had, we've known crisis was coming since last year. There are a couple ways, there are ways to make a couple seconds happen. Yeah. I, that's why, like, whenever anybody comes out and says, oh, I'm not going to be, I wasn't able to do it. I go, bullshit. We'll see. (laughs) Because at this point they've released so many, like, I think the thing, the line of thinking might be. Hey, we've been pretty transparent about who's coming back. But then Guggenheim's also said, I want to keep a few surprises. So whenever I see someone come out and say like, nope, I wasn't in it. I wasn't able to do it. I just think that's a ruse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's Tom Welling who, who's led us to this point. Mm-hmm. I get it. And I kind of want that. Like I, as a viewer, as someone who's really invested in watching this, I, I, I do. I want to be surprised. I want to have a couple moments where I just pee a little. You know, mm-hmm. just go, oh my God, I can't believe they pulled that person or I can't believe they yeah. did that. I mean, more than, more than Richson as, uh, uh, Aquaman. I really want to see, I want to see Bart. I want to see all the speedsters come together and, and do something. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. I forgot Bart was on there. That's mm-hmm. good. 
that would be a great pull. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that guy's doing. I don't even know his I name. I don't know. No, Dad forgot he was there until you mentioned him. I know the cyborg kid's not alive anymore. Oh, yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, someone asked, um, <laughs> they said, um, I know that the first seven episodes of Legends of Season 5 were filmed before Crisis, but since Crisis is coming out before Season 5 starts, is it going to be clear that the events in Crisis take place before or after those first seven episodes? And uh, Mark Guggenheim says, before. It will be very clear. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, now, before we get out of Crisis completely, Chris Balga uh, wants to know what storyline we would like the next crossover to be for the DCCW. Do you have a uh, you have any kind of thing that pops into mind right away? Damn, no. Um, oh, that's tough, man. I can tell you what I want it to be. What you got? Blackest Night. Oh, fuck yes. That would be good. They could, they could, you know, but screw you around to... with that and make that a, like an actual like proper introduction to the Green Lantern Corps. Like yeah, all but of a you'd sudden, have to have an intergalactic so ring war. Much, so much backstory to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> I mean that 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 was one of the great examples of Jeff Johns just pulling mm-hmm. the entire universe together and saying, "What if we just did this too?" Oh, you know what would be great though. What I would love to see Identity Crisis. Yeah. But how much would you love it if at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths we get a teaser and the the screen goes completely white and it just says next year zero hour? Oh, that's solid too. <sighs> that's really good too. Like let's fix all our mistakes because you know they're gonna have a few. <laughs> <laughs> or just cut to the the current chase and just say like uh, DC Universe Rebirth or something like that. Hmm. No man, right. they gotta have crossovers for the next several years. I think we need an idea. We need to save some sp- some space for an identity crisis because you know that's important. Strange thing that would be fun. What as just a crossover? Sanctuary. Mm. Heroes in crisis. Okay. Tom King. All I don't of know. these people need some therapy, and this is a safe space that is no longer. I think that might that might work really well after an identity crisis, at least. Yeah, that could be good too. If you do like. I think I think I would want to see zero hour next year. This is coming together actually pretty well. I I <laughs> I think I want to see zero hour next year, and then the year after that we could do Identity Crisis. Yeah, and then maybe Heroes in Crisis after that, and then you go to Infinity uh, Crisis, and then Final Crisis. Yeah, how's that? That, that work out for everybody? Yeah, <laughs> we'll I'm just, on board. I'm on board and, so far. Yeah, and if you need more, I mean, uh, they could throw in uh, Final Night or something. Uh, I would, I, I would dig that, and you know, throw in a little convergence, like another little mini crisis or something. You know what? I'm gonna go crazy with it. Ready? Uh huh. Metal. <sighs> Dark Knight's metal. They had, they have already, they have, they have teased Red Death. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I specifically want to hear from Brent on this one. Brent from Fans Without Borders. I know you listen, Brent. Mm-hmm. I know you've been listening to the impeachment hearings and you haven't listened to your podcast yet, but when you get to this, <laughs> let me know what you want the next crossover to be. Because <laughs> I think metal might be a fantastic one. I just want to hear your thoughts, man. All right. Up. Uh, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Guggenheim says Green Arrow and the Canaries is going to take place in 2040. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, the, he did say that the the real title of it is "Living in the Future," so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. <sighs> uh, last week. I don't mean that much for it. I'm not sold on the show yet, but. Yeah. Uh, I feel the same way. 
Last week, Danielle Panabaker came out and said she's pregnant. Uh, they asked her this week how they're going to handle her pregnancy. She says, I don't think Caitlin is going to have a baby. I think the intention is sort of to ignore my rapidly growing size. <laughs> <laughs> she says, it's been done before and I have complete faith that it will be done again. So hopefully it won't be too obvious. I usually hate when that happens on a show. Like, I don't bemoan, you know, or begrudge anyone having a child. That's, you know, wonderful, blessed thing. Good on you. But once you start packing on the the extra weight, let's find a a way to actually just get you somewhere else. So, like, I, I, like, (laughs) on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you know, when they had Amy just constantly trying to cover up the the fact that she was pregnant or, you know, hell let's go to, you know, how I met your mother, uh, like Allison Hannigan. Like we all knew she was pregnant. It was ridiculously obvious. Like the only, yeah, there's a ton of examples of like, it's a, it's a baby bump, man. I'm sorry. You're holding another human inside you. Yeah. It's, it, it is impossible to cover up. Like have her go try to like reconcile something with killer frost and, and go find herself. And every once in a while we get like, you know, her on a screen or, her on the phone or some shit. Uh. Yeah. There, there are a lot of ways to do it, and I don't begrudge. When it's written in well, mm-hmm. great. It's one of those things where, like, you can you can see the flaw in the filming, but whatever, man. I mean, yeah. it's written in as best you could. You try to do it as best you could by the story, and it's a, a, just, it's a human process, and... Good for her. I'm 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 hoping she's excited about the whole thing. Yeah. You know, one show I never actually noticed it until they pointed it out. They actually had to point it out to me was Seinfeld. Like Julia Louis Dreyfus, they like put her in giant really? shirts and stuff and it was cuz it was the 90s. I was just like, "Yeah, it's the oh, 90s." Yeah. Yeah, and 90s then, style. Yeah. And then they would just have her standing behind, you know, the counter in Jerry's apartment or they would have her like sitting behind a desk all the time at work. And I just never noticed it. They did a really good job of fooling me into thinking she wasn't pregnant. Nice. <laughs> I didn't even know until Julia Louis-Dreyfus was like, yeah, I was pregnant all during whatever, season five or whatever. I was like, holy shit, really? Let me go back <laughs> and look at that. Um, But, you know, it was a special decade. Yeah, things were fluffy. All right, so uh, they ha- the, ca- the Flash has cast Mayan's MC actress. Uh, what's her name? I, I, just, uh, I just lost it. Um... Blah, 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 blah. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Anyway, they've cast somebody from that show. <laughs> I didn't know that show. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but she's going to be uh, Eva McCulloch. And the interesting thing about that is uh, she is the a quantum engineer and co-founder of McCulloch Technology. She's going to be a regular on the show in the second half of the season. She is described as a scientific genius who works on the bleeding edge. She has been away from Central City for many years, but a chance meeting with Iris West Allen uh, results in a surprising alliance that pushes the boundaries of sanity while also uncovering a vast conspiracy to take down Team Flash and his allies. And uh, it's been noted that um, her name is very, very, very similar to Evan McCulloch, who in the comics was Mirror Master or uh, one of the yes. Mirror Masters. And um, they've already you know, said that Sam Scudder is the, is the Mirror Master on, on Earth-1 in the, in the Flash. But Evan McCulloch is mentioned as being the Mirror Master of Earth 2 already. And, um, you know, a, vir- a villain who used a mirror gun as opposed to metahuman powers. And that mirror gun um, came into play in last season on The Flash when mm-hmm. Nora West Allen 
stole the device from McCulloch in, uh, Technology, uh, almost in Industries, uh, McCulloch Technologies to destroy Cicada's dagger. Oh, that's solid. I like the tie-in. Mm-hmm. Always love Mirror Master's powers. Mm-hmm. Or tech, however you choose to see them. And, uh, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm down. I wish I could remember the name of this person, but I guess I didn't copy it over. I'm stupid. Well, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of names. Yeah, sorry. there are. I'm sorry, guys. I'm a loser. We'll try to get it right next time. All right, Superman and Lois. Apparently, the pilot begins filming March 2020. There's just a pilot order. No guarantee that the series will be made, you know, but I'm pretty sure it will be. 70%, 70% chance based on previous stuff. No, uh, 90, 95% sure. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you hear about Stargirl moving to the CW? I did not. Apparently it will it will debut on DC Universe. And then the day after it's on DC Universe, it's aired on CW. And then 2 days after it's going to be streaming on DC uh uh it's going to be streaming on the CW's digital platforms while running ad-free on DC Universe. Right, that's a little weird, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, I I I don't want to, I don't want to have bad feelings about it because I I know what this show means to Jeff Johns and I really love that guy, but this doesn't look good. I don't know what it looks like. Like they, we had reports that said that the show was going to be more family friendly, and honestly, they might just feel like this is a good platform to get uh teen girls in, interested, and teen girls are not going to buy DC Universe most likely, but they will watch CW. So if DC Universe, this might be a gateway to DC Universe is what I'm saying. And maybe that's what they're thinking. Like Doom Patrol would also be on HBO Max, which would be a gateway to DC Universe. And Stargirl's a different kind of gateway to DC Universe through CW. I'm hoping that's what it means. No, I like that interpretation that that this is some bridge. I like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, part of me wants to say maybe it's releasing it on the CW in a different capacity after it has, I mean, honestly, it's, it's had some delays. It's had some delays. And also, you know, DC universe is probably not doing as well as they hoped it would. And those shows are expensive. They need to find a way to make it make money. See, I, I don't know. I think the DC universe is doing as well. I don't know. I think up front they did really well. And with swamp thing and uh, like swamp thing didn't go over as well. Mm -hmm. And, Maybe they were a little bit afraid Stargirl wasn't going in a direction they liked. I wonder about that. Only because the production dates uh, that were originally given are now way in the background. Yeah. So. I mean, well, they've they've released a uh, the actual title card and they said it's going to be quarter uh, the, the second quarter of 2020 that Stargirl premieres. Yeah. God, it, that actually worried me. I did see that. And that actually worried me that they were talking about it in financial terms. Hmm. <laughs> really? That's that's weird. That's not like an air date or Sunday nights or something like that. That's quarter two. Yeah, Q2. That's weird to me. Yeah, that is a little weird. So you think that's weird and something to be concerned about, but HBO Max liking a Snyder Cut post. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have the pool. They don't. It's a launching service. They don't have the pool to make that happen. I mean, I I really want them to be right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah, no, I, it is a little weird and I am a little concerned, but if, you know, getting a CW fan base and going, Hey, you can watch this ad free over at DC universe means that, you know, no, I'm hoping the transition back is mm-hmm. the thing they're 
I best case scenario, I think they they think they were sitting on something that could be good, and they're gonna try to use that as like a, a walking back point. Uh huh. Or and, for all and, we know, you know, Star Girls what gonna be like? As far as I know, thirteen episodes, something like that. Like all the other shows, 10, 13 episodes. Yeah. CW might have just kind of looked at their 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 schedule and went, "Well, we have a few weeks we we need filled." Yeah. What do you guys think? <sighs> yeah. I've kind of wondered about that as a crossover, though. Like, the CW has clearly opened the the door uh, to, like, let's just do year-long programming. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have seasons. We're just we're going to have seasons where we focus, but we're going to have year-round programming and Sunday nights and just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wonder. Maybe they're going to use that to, to cross over their year-long programming to, like, well, maybe you get to the streaming and vice versa. Yeah. Because if you're... If you're a streamer, if you're somebody who binge watches things, eh, you don't care about what night you're what you're getting around to it. You're you're doing it when you're doing it. Yeah, the reason they have plus seven ratings in the streaming universe. But here's an interesting thing, though. If you can you can watch the CW shows for a limited time on their streaming app or their streaming yeah. site. I think it's like five episodes. But there is no premium service. There oh, is no, no premium. You're service. getting ads. You're getting ads. Yeah. Uh, now you can use a little, you know, add-on, a browser add-on that lets you, you know, click past the commercials, like I do. Yeah, that but, only works some of the time. But it only works some of the time, most of the time. Um, but there's no like actual like coding-wise, pre- you have to like switch between sometimes to mm-hmm. find something that's currently beating. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think. DC Universe could begin to operate as that premium streaming service for CW shows. Yeah. I would like this to be some back channel where they got us into that. Mm-hmm. And it's Stargirl and it's going to air on it's going to air on CW where there's already a Stargirl. It's again part of the Legends JSA moment we had. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's relevant. I wouldn't mind some kind of nod in the crisis thing that said like well you know there's another star girl and something like that yeah just so we knew it was coming just so we had an end i would be surprised if star girl star girl didn't show up somewhere on crisis it could it would actually be very heartening if it did just because that would make a lot of sense about uh like there have been some delays well like hey here's here's a bunch of you know heroes that were that were uh you know doomed and uh, never got a proper wrap up. You remember these guys, right? And now here's one that's future doomed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. No one get mad. Calm no, down. No, it's like one of the more cheated moments for me in Legends has been uh, the the Rex Tyler. I forget the name of the actor, but I really like him. He's from Suits. The yeah. guy from Suits. Yeah, I remember his face. I don't remember his name. And it was one of those people who was like, oh, man, great actor. Rex Tyler. Our man, let's do... Oh, he's dead. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Oh. Yep. All right, speaking of doomed shows from DC Universe... Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Doberman was talking a little bit about uh, future, the scrapped future plans for Swamp Thing, season two plans, and he says season one is very much like a movie in that it had a beginning, middle, and end, and is one story told over the course of ten episodes, and what I liked a lot about the comics is that there's, like, werewolf in a hospital and things like that, uh, so we would have had episodes like an anthology with standalone stories. The Swamp is very much the kitchen sink of supernatural terror. And as you know, you can go into different subgenres of horror with that. And I was really looking forward to exploring that in season two and getting into some of the more twisted horror tales from the later comics. 
it just would have gotten weirder for people who don't know the character. Season one was telling people what Swamp Thing was all about, but season two was going to be more about getting into the deeper, twisted, weirder, and gross ideas. And to that, I say, thank God it was canceled. <laughs> so you're telling me that you pretty much told the story you wanted to tell in season one, and season two was just going to be a horror anthology show, like freaking Tales from the Crypt inside of the DC Universe, with more gross ideas. Swamp Thing was gross enough. I'm good. I would say season two or nothing. <laughs> like when It they had were... a, a horror and specifically a body horror aspect to it anyway. Just fucking do that. Mm-hmm. And blow your load, man. Let's let's see what you got. I mean, they when they were talking about like Doctor Fate and and like Constantine and and yeah. and, and Justice like Dark and that kind of shit, and I, I was on board with that. But I don't I don't want to see freaking Tales from the Crypt all over again. Like I don't want to see that. I, no, but I don't think you could include those characters and not just do those characters, but with that tone. So I can get behind that. I can see it. Yeah, just go all the way or don't yeah what you have if you skip that way is a weird scene where blue devil wakes up naked and runs away to in my mind benny hill music (laughs) all right (laughs) i would have gone there with it but okay that's still how i remember that scene Mm. now uh damon lindelof over on watchmen Mm -hmm. uh he explained that the season one of Watchmen is designed to be a complete story, much in the vein of shows like Fargo or True Detective, with an understanding that there are many Watchmen stories to tell, but there's not a big cliffhanger in the final episode. He says, I think the majority of the mini- of, of the mysteries, at least the ones that are central to the stories that we can tell or that we tell are resolved by the end of the ninth episode. If the idea is right, and if there is a compelling reason to do it, I would reconsider doing a second season or more stories. I have not had that idea yet. The other thing about Watchmen is that it doesn't belong to me. Alan Moore, Dave Gimmons, and John Higgins created this thing. I had the opportunity to be its steward for a couple of years. There is going to be more there is going to be more Watchmen, independently of whether I do it. It should be done by someone who really deeply cares about it and has a reason to. That's a little weird. You think? I mean, he's been saying that apparently for months. Well, just a little weird that like a show that's finally aired has a pretty good critical rating. And Mm -hmm. I mean, well, me as a potential critic, really in favor of. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would like to see him signed on to do what I'm seeing right now again. Yeah. But, you know, in a previous, you know interview with AV Club, he says he probably wouldn't continue as the series showrunner if they do a second season. He says, it's not my story, right? I appropriated it. And so the idea that someone else could come along and do another season of Watchmen, that's really exciting to me, too. I do like that, though. That he says, he, yeah. He's he, just playing with the themes and somebody could come along and do another thing. That's that's pretty good. He says, these nine episodes are sort of everything that I have to say at this point about Watchmen. And then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. And in the Watchmen universe, there's a multiverse possibility kind of aspect to it. So, hmm, I haven't seen episode one yet. You could just play with it. Well, hell, man, I think that's it. Or a multi-dimensional, we'll say. Yeah, definitely the multi-dimensional. But I, I don't have anything else. All right, let's bounce. Well, I'm gonna go talk about Watchmen. Yeah, you are. And I'm gonna go rest my throat and eat some steak, but not like good steak, like lunch meat steak. Ah, yes. Yeah. I ain't living like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening to DC on screen. You can find every episode at DC on screen.com. 
I I would implore you to to go help us out on Apple Podcasts and help us get to that mighty 100. And um, I don't know. We'll be back. Right in. Tell Jason what you think about his Snyder Cut ideas. <laughs> in advance, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Until next time, keep some DC on your screen. Bye. Our intro music is by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Galactic Engineers of Magnetic Sounds, or GEMS, can be found on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Visit DCOnScreen.com to find our Patreon, merch, contact information, and every episode of the show for free, including crossovers we've done with other podcasts. DC Onscreen is a maladjusted production. For more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy, vlogs, parodies, and our improvised web series Hey Guy, visit maladjusted.tv. forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99 plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99 plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99 plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.